Welcome on into the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Matt Lowell, the managing editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine. You're listening to the second episode in our Disease Discussion podcast series. We're producing it in partnership with BASF. This episode features a conversation with BASF technical specialist Jen Browning from her home in Boise, Idaho. On this episode, Jen will address all things fairy ring, including control methods. We'd like to give a thanks to BASF for supporting this podcast, BASF, always in the disease discussion with numerous solutions to help superintendents figure out fairy ring and other diseases. Visit betterturf.basf.us for more information. Jen, welcome on into the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Before we get into all things fairy ring, just tell me a little bit about yourself, the scope of your work. I've already told folks that you are calling in from your home in Boise, Idaho. I am. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Let's see. I started with BASF out of graduate school at Oregon State in 2011, and I came over to the technical service side in about 2014. What I do is field development of our product portfolio, working with BASF customers and also with our field teams in the West. And I am calling from Boise, Idaho, where it is raining and we are in quarantine. So a cold rain or a warm rain or? This would be a cold, tempestuous spring rain. Right now it's cold. There might be some snow this evening. Well, hopefully it picks up for you as spring rolls on and as the season in many parts of the country, at least maintenance-wise, rolls on. What is the most interesting thing? And obviously you don't work only with golf course superintendents, but what is the most interesting thing about working with golf course superintendents and, and what have you taken from them that you've been able to apply to your own work? Oh, superintendents are such an interesting group. So one of the things I noticed early on was how hard superintendents work. I didn't realize how many hours they put in, that it might be seven days a week, that it was often seven days a week and very long days. But one of the things that's interesting is how complicated their roles are. So the superintendents, of course, are overseeing the course and turf grass quality, but they also have to corral all the logistics of labor and tournaments and the effects of weather. And then on top of that, they have to be diplomats. They're dealing with course management members, players, even sometimes the general public. So I think one of the things that I've really gleaned in working with them is just that sense of professionalism and that stoicism when things don't go according to plan. They're a very professional group. And how often in your role are you working with golf course superintendents? Is it a regular part or is it something where you're only able to get out there a little bit? It's a fairly regular part of my role. So there are a few superintendents that I speak with on a fairly frequent basis at some parts in my geography, California and the Southwest, for example, as well as the local area where I live. And I see golf courses several times a month. I'll go out with a salesperson and we may travel around and see a few different properties and talk with a few different people. There are some times of the year that superintendents are very busy and we don't interact as much, but in the spring in particular, I see quite a few of them and talk to them on the phone a lot. So what is, we're, in, we're into April now, what is early spring like for you and, and for others who are in your position? Spring is delightful. It's so busy. This is the time when I get to do more close work, both with superintendents as well as my researcher collaborators, and then also distributor sales reps, particularly in a year after you've launched a new product. Like last year, we launched Max Team and Navicon. You spend a lot of time talking to people about how it's going to work in their program, where they should be placing those applications, 
And then also it's pre-emergence season, and so we're trying to time herbicides around the weather in various parts of my territory, from the north to the south and all the way over to the edge of the west coast. And you'd mentioned California and the southwest. There are so many great courses in your part of the country. I, I imagine you get to see some beautiful, beautiful courses. I really do. I get to see a lot of really gorgeous courses, and some of my favorite activity is driving from one to another between states because the entire West is absolutely gorgeous. Personally, my favorite state, Montana. I've only had the chance to drive through it twice. Just an incredible place. I know it's not too far from from Idaho. You might be partial to Idaho, but Montana is incredible. I have not seen Montana yet, and I do love Idaho, but I'm quite partial to Utah. Okay. Love Utah. Fairy ring fungus is frustrating. You all know that. Fortunately, BASF offers Maxima fungicide and Navicon Intrinsic brand fungicide to control the toughest diseases, including, of course, fairy ring. Whether you have cool or warm season turf, you can safely and affordably spray Maxima fungicide and Navicon Intrinsic brand fungicide at any temperature on any turf variety to help ensure disease-free playing conditions all year long. So getting back to golf courses, to disease, because that's why we're here, and fairy ring in particular, Jen, what have you learned in all of your travels, in traveling from state to state across the region? What have you learned about fairy ring in your travels and in your research and your studies? Well, one of the first things that I learned about fairy ring when we started to have some chemistry that worked really well for that disease was that fairy ring has a fan club. So I get on Twitter every Friday afternoon and I look at Dr. Mike Fidanza's mm-hmm. hashtags Frisky Fairy Ring Friday to see everybody's entries for what they've seen in fairy ring during the week. I thought that was really interesting that it has such a cultish following. And then secondly, as I got more aware of the variety of fungi that cause this disease, I thought it was interesting that there really isn't a one-size-fits-all. Early on when I was learning about fairy ring, you know, the message was you should have a wetting agent program, you should be using these key chemistries that are going to take care of it, you should try to be preventative. But in fact, there's actually more to it because of the diversity of fungi that cause the disease, and not every type of fungus responds the same way to the same chemistry. So it's actually a pretty complex and interesting problem from place to place within each state as well as across the whole country. Is there any rhyme or reason within the regions? It's, it's different from region to region, but if you're saying just, say, Idaho or just western Washington, does it tend to be a little more controlled within those regions, a little more similar? It seems like what you can predict from the geographic region for fairy ring is just when you'll see it during the season. So if you'll see it in February or March versus later in the season. And then depending on what summer temperatures are like, that can be indicative of whether you see type 1, the most damaging type where you get a lot of hydrophobic soil and these real dried out areas. So it's more the way it manifests. It seems like the diversity is, is pretty broad across the entire country. Are there different, not even just uh, different reactions and, and different sorts of fairy ring that you see, but are there different types of fairy ring, Jen? There are. There are. So what they all have in common is that they're, they're typically basidiomycete fun- fungus, so they're the ones that can produce mushrooms, although they don't always do that. 
there's typically three that we think of. We think of type one as the drier soil. That's the one that can happen in the heat of summer. It's not the typical time that you would think of for fairy ring infections. But you can see these sunken areas in the turf. It becomes very hydrophobic down in the crown and that surface uh, layer of soil. And then also, if you do get any mushrooms forming in that type one, they tend to be the puffball type, not the gilled or the frilled type of mushrooms. So that type one is really the one that strikes fear in everyone's heart because often, though you can make curative applications, the turf is so damaged that sometimes people will just kind of dig it out and resaw it in that area. There's a second type, which is type two, and that one looks like stimulated turf. You can see a ring where the turf is greener and taller. It's growing more vigorously than the turf around it. Typically, it's in circles. And that one can get more of the frilled or the gilled mushroom appearance, although you won't always see mushrooms in any of these types. Type 3 is no real turf changes, but the fairy ring is actively there and actively growing. And in that kind, when you get mushrooms, that's the only symptom that you have. You'll see a ring of mushrooms, but you won't see stimulated turf, and you won't see injured turf. So those are typically the three kinds. One of the interesting things about them is you can go from type 2 to type 1. They're not linear. They don't go in order. You can have different ones come up at different times of year in the same place, kind of depending on what the climate conditions are. Even more of an agronomic nightmare than I would have expected just talking with superintendents who have had it. <laughs> so in, in terms of symptoms, you mentioned especially type 3. The only symptom really is when those mushrooms pop up. What are some of the other symptoms and is there any rhyme or reason as to where on a course fairy ring can pop up? seems like we notice it the most when it's on greens, right? And of course, that would make sense because that's the place we're really paying attention to turf conditions. So people tend to catch it early when it's on greens. I have stood on fairways that had fairy ring before where we would say to each other, oh, they don't have fairy ring here because we didn't realize we were standing in a ring that was the size of a small house. So sometimes you don't appreciate it on a fairway or you don't appreciate it on higher mode turf. It's not as obvious to you until you get that ring of mushrooms. And then obviously in roughs, in lawns and landscapes, it's, it's not as, as obvious and as noticeable. Probably the most obvious symptom is if you do have that type 1 right away because it looks like dead turf and people will think it's a patch disease or they'll think they've actually injured the turf with equipment or with traffic, and they'll send in some samples, or they'll just grow a sample out in room temperature and see that mycelia grow and realize, oh, this is actually fairy ring. But you can also just notice mushrooms and notice that that's happening, or you may even see those, those stimulated rings. But the rings are the kinds that always fool me, I have to say. The rings are the ones where you can be standing in one that's so gigantic you don't even realize that it's fairy ring. Are those house-sized rings the most extreme cases that you've come across? No, probably not, because in fact, once you find those rings, sometimes people will choose not to treat them. And that, that is a legit approach. In some cases, the symptoms are just pretty subtle. And so you'd only see a little bit of stimulated turf, which you're going to mow off. It'll be mowed at fairway heights, but you'll mow it off, and you may not see it. You may decide you don't need to deal with it at all. It's typically going to be any fairy ring symptoms that show up on greens. Those will be the ones that get the most attention, or if you get that localized dry spot. And that's, that's in part with type 1 because you can get those puffballs. They're ugly, and then confusingly, they also look like a golf ball. 
So from a distance, you can't really tell what you're looking at until you go over there and realize, oh, these are mushrooms. And because they're pulled down into the crown of the turf, you can run a mower over them and actually not even remove the mushrooms. You just kind of shave the top of them off. So that one can be pretty destructive because it's quite noticeable. That sounds more like what I would do to my front lawn when I see something pop up and I only have an hour to mow the front and the back and I say, the heck with it. I don't have time for treatment. Nobody's going to drive past this house at less than 25 miles an hour anyway. I'm good to go. You're on a golf course, little different. Exactly. exactly. And they're already down at pretty low mowing heights anyway, whereas at home we can just drop down a, mm-hmm. another level or two and take care of our puffball problems for sure. So again, there's no consistency, I would imagine, from region to region, Jen, but when should superintendents in general in different regions kind of start their treatment programs at what point? So we're typically recommending the first application to be made around the end of April, beginning of May. And of course, that depends on whether or not you have snow cover that's hanging around or what kind of spring you're having. The first thing to be aware of before you start thinking about your timetable is do you have a perennial fairy ring problem? So do you have a place on the course where you're always seeing is it all that's coming up on the same greens? Are there some fairways where you're really getting a lot of effect and it's very noticeable and you want to make some treatments there so that you can try to be preventative? In places where you get spring rain, like in the Pacific Northwest, sometimes in the Southwest, and lots of coastal and central California, you can anticipate that it's time to make fairy ring applications when you get some spring rain. Once you get some moisture down into the turf, that is a good time for those mushrooms to follow shortly thereafter. So you can start making the four applications that we recommend for greens or the three that we recommend for fairways somewhere in the neighborhood of around April 25th, April 30th. So not too far from now if folks haven't already started to think about this. No, and in fact, I'm doing some work on fairy ring development, curative, and preventative trials in Central California, and they're actually starting in two weeks, and it's just today, the end of March, so about mid-April for that part of the country. If we look at some strategies for fairy ring control, what are some of the strategies that you found effective that you recommend, both cultural strategies and chemical strategies? So some cultural strategies would be one that I already mentioned, and that is wedding agent programs, having a program that's going out during the season on a regular interval. It doesn't necessarily need to be married to your chemical applications. You can do it separately, or some superintendents will choose to tank mix and have everything go out at the same time. Cultural practices that can really help with fairy ring include managing the thatch in areas where you have higher mowing heights. That's less important for greens where there really isn't any thatch development. But on greens is where we're going to be thinking about using those wetting agent programs. Now, whether that goes out on a regular basis around the chemical applications or the superintendent chooses to mix them in and apply them at the same time, either approach is absolutely fine. Wetting agent programs really do help tremendously, not only with water movement, but also getting the chemistries that they do apply down to the active areas for both. Uh, higher mowing height areas like fairways, and also for greens, the next level of cultural management would be aeration. Aeration can definitely help, including core aeration. When we think about chemical strategies, over the years, as the story has been developing about wetting agents and knowing that that program is foundational and that's really important, we've also seen a lot of kind of winners rise to the surface in terms of chemistries that can control fairy ring, both preventatively and curatively. 
So you'll find some really good materials in the strobal urine group. You'll find some great DMIs or sterol inhibitors. And then you'll also find some SDHI chemistry that works really well. What we've done at BASF is created a fairy ring performance support program. And that basically recommends applications starting in the mid to late spring, about the end of April, beginning of May, and going out every 28 days to carry throughout the season. It includes three different modes of action and four different chemistries. That includes some of our new introductions like Nextima and Navicon, as well as Lexicon and Exemplar, products that have always been really good on fairy ring. And in conjunction with those wedding agent programs, what we've seen is really excellent turf quality that can be maintained all season long. I think the cultural strategies are also very important, though. The best results are always going to come from that full approach that includes all those different techniques. And when you're on this 28-day cycle, how far into fall do courses normally look? How far into the fall can fairy ring last if it's not properly controlled? The same way that your fairy ring pressure can start at different times depending on where you are in the country, your fairy ring season can end at different times. So... On our performance program, the last application is made about mid-August, but I want to say my best contributions to Mike Sedanza's Frisky Fairy Ring Friday hashtag on Twitter have occurred in November in the Pacific Northwest. So it's entirely possible that out of a 12-month year, you could have 9 to 10 months of active fairy ring season. However, making the applications in an area where you know you have a long season, you can elongate your intervals and go instead of 14 or 21 or 28 days, you can go even a little bit longer or make an additional application to ensure that you stay clean all year. And then just keep track of rainfall to know when you're likely to be symptomatic. So you're saying that while folks are preparing for Thanksgiving, fairy ring might still be a thing out there, in, at least in certain parts of the country. Unfortunately, I think it's true. And actually, another really great way that you can avoid fairy ring pressure is by getting in touch with me and agreeing to do any kind of demo work on your course. What I find is anytime I place a trial for fairy ring, they don't get the disease anymore. That's one of the things that makes fairy ring research really hard to do, is that this happens with our university fellows as well, where you set up a trial and you go out, you think you have the right time of year, you think you have a perfect place where you have fairy ring every year, and suddenly, no fairy ring for you. Which makes your job that much harder. <laughs> it does make it harder, but think how hard it makes it for superintendents. You know, if you know that you have fairy ring problems on greens 3, 7, and 9, you go out, you make your preventative applications, and then, ha-ha, here it is at 15 and 17 this year. It can be a very frustrating disease. Max Tima fungicide and Navicon Intrinsic brand fungicide from BASF control the toughest diseases, including fairy ring. Both products offer strong, residual, and advanced turf grass safety at economical price points. Use Maxima Fungicide and Navicon Intrinsic brand fungicide in your rotation to help control fairy ring and a broad spectrum of other cool and warm season diseases. So you said reach out to you, let you do a demo on the course. What else can superintendents do? Where else can they go to learn more about fairy ring, whether it's online or hands-on, maybe by having you on their site? Oh, that is a great idea. I definitely do love to visit other people's fairy rings as well. So one of the first lines of defense is going to be your land-grant university and extension. If you have it in your region, then not all of us are lucky enough to have a good turf grass or pathology program local. 
but a lot of the other states will help you out if you do need diagnostics and if you ever find yourself in a situation where chemistry that has worked for you in the past or is proven on fairy ring is not working very well for you all of a sudden, that can be a time that diagnostics can help because of that diversity that we see with those basidiomyces. I've found in the literature and also seen in some trials that certain DMIs work better on certain types of fairy ring than others. So sometimes the diagnostics are necessary. The other thing you can do is get in touch with your manufacturer's reps, your sales reps who you already have a relationship with, or a technical rep, and talk to us about what we're seeing in the current research for your area, including your turf type and what types of results and season we're recommending. That kind of collaboration can really help respond to the pressure of fairy ring, particularly if it catches you by surprise in a place on the course that you haven't seen it before. And Jen, as we continue to work through 2020 now into technically the second quarter, is there anything that you're looking forward to in terms of fairy ring, whether it's new research or anything you're working on, any people you're talking with, any any projects you have? Yes. Actually, I have a number of demos going out with Maxima and Navicon on research authorizations and formal trial work in California. And I'm really excited about that because California has so many different turf types and so many different climate regimes. So I have everything from Bermuda in Northern California to Kikuyu in Southern California. I've got bent grass in Central California and the Valley. There's just a lot of different things to look at. That helps us really dial into not only which of the BASF portfolio products do an excellent job on fairy ring, but also how to build our programs with other people's best in show so that we can make recommendations that keep the course clean and championship conditions all year long. Sounds like another really interesting year. Let's reconvene in 2021 to see how it all goes. Thank you so much. I'll look forward to that. Jen Browning, BASF Technical Specialist, thank you so much for your time and thank you for coming on Disease Discussion. Thank you for having me. 